Welcome back to yet another Tango Banter. I am Elizaveta, your host, and my mission is to share some stories and practical wisdom that might help you navigate this mysterious world of social tango and per perhaps even thrive in it. That's really what I'm after. So today's episode is uh, a really interesting one because I realized when I was thinking about it that it could go in so many different directions. I have a personal relationship to the theme of it and many of you will resonate and uh, hopefully this will strike up some good conversation and uh, dialogue between us. So if you'd like to message me and share your thoughts after you hear this episode, I invite you to reach out to me on social media at I am so tango. Email me at connect at imsotango.com or you can also join my private Facebook group. If you haven't done so already, I would love for you to join. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Now, before we dive in, I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for being a dedicated listener. I've been receiving more and more messages and uh, many of you have come up and shared with me that the podcast has an important role in your daily life. Some of you listen to it um, religiously, and some of you even listen to episodes multiple times and you take notes. And that is just such an amazing thing to hear, to know that this is landing with people and that it is helpful. I would like to ask for your help, uh, especially those of you who've been with me for the past uh, year and a few months since I started, I'd love your help in a couple of ways. One is I would love your feedback. And some of you have already shared feedback with me and I'm so grateful for it, but I want to open it up to more. Uh, those of you who've had some feedback, but maybe you didn't really think that it's appropriate for you to share, or maybe you didn't think I would want to hear it. But uh, the kinds of feedback I'm looking for, there's a few things. One is, I'd love to hear from you about what have been your most favorite episodes and most relevant topics that I've covered. What are the things that have been really helpful to you? And what kinds of topics would you like me to address more of? What do you need help with more? Many of you who've reached out to me said that you found my podcast as part of your exploration of tango in um, being a beginner, that you just started tango and you stumbled on my podcast as you've been researching the world of tango. So especially those of you who are new to tango, I would love to hear from you and uh, find out what are some of the topics and themes that would be most relevant to you at this point in your tango journey. And then secondly, I would love to hear your feedback uh, about the quality of your experience in the podcast. And if there's anything that you would like improvement on, there are certain things that I'm just not aware of, like your experience of the sound quality, which I know it's been a bit irregular and I apologize about that. Uh, it is a learning curve and I'm wearing a lot of hats. So I am working on figuring out exactly what are the sound settings that I need to have to make sure that the sound quality is consistently excellent. Uh, so if there are sound quality issues, don't hesitate to message me and let me know. 
some other constructive feedback might be about um, the length of the episodes. I've been ranging anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and averaging about 45 minutes. So maybe you have an opinion of whether the episode needs to be shorter or longer. I would love to hear um, about that. And anything else that you might think might serve well to develop this podcast uh, into a more robust experience, I would love to hear from you. Now, the second way I would love your help is in spreading the word about this podcast. I really want to grow this podcast and reach more people. And really the best way still, even in the 21st century, is word of mouth. So those of you who are my biggest fans, I'd appreciate you sharing the podcast, sharing the episodes that you love with your friends, posting on social media, uh, or telling your friends about it. This has really been the best way for this project to grow. And I really do feel that this is a collaborative effort And all of you who've been with me for the past year, you're sort of uh, my partners in crime here as I develop this um, project. And I really appreciate your input and support. So please consider yourself an active participant in uh, this burgeoning uh, podcast. And I hope that uh, you wouldn't mind helping support it in this way of spreading the word um, in your network. Okay, so uh, we are talking today about romance, romance in tango and its impact on your dance. I have to say it is a bit of a can of worms uh, and I apologize ahead of time if I open up more questions than uh, give you answers and maybe I will leave some things unresolved by the end of this discussion perhaps to stimulate further discussion later. But uh, let me first define to you what I mean by romance in tango. So when I think of romance uh, in tango, I think about that magical quality that we experience uh, with a particular person on the dance floor. The tango high as we might call that experience as part of this romance. Uh, Sometimes I use romance as a way of describing just the overall energy of uh, a particular state of mind where you're just sort of looking to experience uh, the heightened sense of pleasure and joy in what you're doing. So Sometimes I'll say I'm experiencing romance just being outside enjoying the weather and I can feel this um, just wonderful feeling of um, being in my body and experiencing the senses. Now, when it comes to tango, there's a particular word that I've grown to love uh, to describe this very potent uh, experience of deep connection with someone. And it's the word limerence. Now, I'm going to read you the definition of it the way I found it, and let's see if you can connect the dots of how this could connect with tango. Limerence, the state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person typically experienced involuntarily and characterized by a strong desire for a reciprocation of one's feelings, but not primarily for a sexual relationship. 
Interesting. So what this tells me is that it's this involuntary feeling of wanting to be with another person and wanting them to notice you, wanting them to give you attention. And it's not necessarily about getting in bed with them or having something off, uh, you know, off the dance floor. <laughs> but uh, in tango, I really feel that this uh, sense of limerence, this is infatuation with certain people that we get is a very real experience. And there's different degrees of this taking place on the dance floor all the time. Now, in my mind, the experience of this limerence covers a lot of different phases. And there's a range. There's like very casual experience of it where you just really love dancing with a certain number of people. And those are the people that you always go to. Whenever you go to Malanga, it's because those people are there and you can't help it. You just want to dance with them and it makes you feel really good and you feel really good in your body and everything just flows. And then it kind of progresses to other extreme varieties of limerence where it becomes more and more that you're zoned in on very at a very particular person. So this is where it might cross over into a romantic relationship. Not necessarily, but I did kind of observe this early on, and I still observe this now, that when I see certain dancers fixate on a particular dancer and dance with them multiple tandas in a row every time I see them, there's a sort of an assumption that something else is going on. Uh, not always, but uh, for the most part, that's what I've um, that's what I've observed. Now, romance or limerence is the reason why I got into tango from the very beginning. I frequently have talked about that the draw to tango for me was not necessarily the virtuosic uh, movements of dancers or the beauty of tango. It wasn't the music, definitely. But I ended up in tango because I liked a guy. <laughs> I stayed in tango because I liked a guy. <laughs> um, so for me, uh, the, this space of it being infatuated with someone uh, has been a very important part of my growth as a dancer and has a big impact on who I've become. And I want to share some experiences along the way that I've had that I think might illuminate your own experience of this and give you a perspective on how this particular aspect of tango has played into your dance. Because we dance with other people, and by dancing with other people, our technique develops. So the more I dance with someone, their body and their mechanics, their musicality is going to influence my development and vice versa. And in that way, we're sort of developing each other. You know, we're like carving each other out of a raw piece of marble. <laughs> I like that metaphor. So we're always evolving in relation to other people's bodies, other people's movement patterns. It's not in isolation. So when you bring in 
the quality of romance or limerence into that, that quality of infatuation, that not only do you like to dance with this person, but you're also having emotional ties to them. And this is uh, very prevalent when you first get into tango, especially as a young woman, which was the case for me. I got into tango in my 20s and I felt things that I hadn't felt before, sensations that I hadn't wasn't familiar with before. It really made me feel in love with the person that gave me that feeling. I just imagined that there is nobody else who could give me that feeling that this person was a soulmate. Uh, so I'm not the only one who has felt that, right? And maybe even you listening now can recall in your mind what that feels like or felt like for you when you first experienced it. So this can guide you in particular directions. And I think that for me, when I first started, I sort of mm, elevated this idea of having a deep romantic connection with a dance partner. I would look at professional dancers such as Chicha Frumbali and Juana Sepulveda. And I used to say that I admired their dance so much because I could tell that they had a level of communication that is only possible if you dance with someone for a very long time. You have to know each other's movements so much in order to be able to dance that way. And I would also ascribe their virtuosity and their magic to the fact that they were also romantic partners. And it's sort of interesting that this is an accepted uh, default that when we watch partners, dance partners perform, we automatically assume that they're also a couple. And it's very interesting that it's part of the overall brand of tango that the people who perform this passionate dance are also lovers. And so I was enamored with that idea and I did want that. I don't know if I consciously was asking for it, but I was really drawn to it. So early on, I did get caught up in this trajectory of dancing with particular men and forming bonds with particular men and then only dancing with them. And it got to a place where I was dating uh, a partner who was very uh, monopolizing of me. And so the result was that I was mainly going to a malanga and half the time dancing with him and then the rest of the time dancing with other people. And even in that context, half the time I danced with him. And then for a while, when I was in Buenos Aires, there was half the other time I was dancing with this other guy who became sort of my go-to. And we danced multiple tandas together. And um, it was sort of, in a way, it was amazing, right? Like the, the thing that we expect to happen from a deep connection with someone like that, where you're just really investing that energy and you're dancing and dancing and dancing. It really creates something really special, but it can also be uh, very volatile and a source of a lot of conflict. So it depends on who you are as a person when you experience this. Um, 
I definitely was not very mature. I think I would be very different now if this happened to me or if I was offered the same opportunities and I just think a bit differently about this. But at the time I really um, got, you know, romanced away into this realm of uh, really being affected by the feeling of limerence to experience tango. The main impact on me that I noticed was that a lot of times I'd go to Malonga, my expectation was that I would dance with my primary partner and I had this involuntary infatuation with them and I wanted their attention. And if I didn't get that attention, if I didn't get the dances that I wanted with them, then I, that meant I had a bad night. Or I would experience jealousy, especially if I could tell that they were choosing to dance with someone else over me. So then it became a sign that if, if I went and my partner didn't want to dance with me as much as the night before, the time before, that meant that something's going on, that I'm not as desirable, I'm not as good. At the same time, because I was dancing so much with my partner, I wasn't dancing with other people for different reasons. Obviously, one of them is that in some communities, uh, there's a little bit more of a traditional take on this kind of connection. So especially in Buenos Aires, other men might not ask me because they can tell I'm really involved with this guy and, and they feel a little bit like, you know, they don't want to step on anybody's turf. That's not the case necessarily in the States anymore. Like people you know, don't necessarily think that way. But there was that sentiment in Buenos Aires. I know that. But also, I felt like I had blinders on, you know, and everything about my experience was really about me sort of dance, creating my dance experience in relation to my partner and what they were doing and always sort of wondering where they are and what, what experience they're having. And I always wanted to be available to them. So some of my thinking was like, well, if I go dance this Tonda, let me just check in with him. What is he doing? Maybe he wants to dance with me and I want to be available for that because that's the experience that really gives me the source of my joy. He, that person is the source of my pleasure. So there was that feeling of like having blinders on, you know, and really focusing in on either one or very few people being the source of fulfillment for me, uh, which then really dictated uh, a lot of who I became as a dancer. A lot of my movement mechanics uh, were shaped by dancing with these certain people. I found that my technique uh, sort of developed to a certain level and plateaued because my primary, my primary source of dancing were these few people or just one person when it came to my relationship. The other result of this for me, uh, as I look back, this is not something, none of this was something I could be aware of back then. I, I can only see it in hindsight. Uh, so it's a tricky thing to awareness, developing awareness around these things. 
but I had a very skewed perspective of my dance and what what really was lacking and what were my assets and technically what I needed to work on because whatever feedback I was getting was coming from just a handful of people and maybe even just one person, my, my primary dance partner. So whatever I thought about my dance or how I thought about my uh, dance in relation to everyone else was very skewed and because of that the way I interpreted my experience at the Malongo was very skewed so if somebody didn't want to dance with me you know I automatically formed a particular opinion based on my skewed perspective well I you know I'm just not good enough you know it's because you know this person in my life says this about me it's because I don't have this you know, I'm not, I'm not enough of this and I'm not enough of that. So my perspective was, was just a really different place from where it is now. And it was based on the fact that my source of information, my source of pleasure, my source of understanding of who I was, was really coming from very few sources um, and uh, particularly from you know, just the person that I was involved with the most. Now, over the years, I've met uh, many people who've had really interesting relationship to this idea of romance. And I'll tell you, there's been a lot of people that I've met who sort of have tabs on who their partner dances with this perspective that um, their partner is allowed to dance with certain people and not others. That's been sort of a consequence of this evolution, right? The more involved you become with someone, especially if there's real romance, not just limerence, but actual relationship, there can be jealousy and sort of boundaries established. I've uh, seen this at play where certain leaders will uh, start working with a particular woman, especially a beginner, and then they develop some sort of a relationship off the dance floor, and then they go to the Malanga together, and they only dance together. They don't dance with anyone else. So that's something that I've observed in every community. It happens. Now, one of the most memorable experiences uh, was with um, a man that I met at a party in Buenos Aires who was there at the party with his girlfriend, and he was a pretty high up tango dancer, professional. He was a judge on some sort of championship panel or something. He was very proud of that, and he shared <laughs> with me that that was the case. So he supposedly was a pretty notable figure in tango. His girlfriend was uh, a beautiful younger woman, probably in her early, early 20s. And at one point we were, I was just standing around and he ended up standing next to me. And he looked at me and out of the blue, he just said, I only dance with my woman. He said this in Spanish, and then he repeated himself like four times. 
Now, granted, he was a little inebriated, so, you know, he was might not have been thinking about, <laughs> like, the continuity of what he was saying. But he kept reiterating. At first, I didn't really know what to think of it. Then I thought maybe he's trying to explain to me why he's not going to dance with me. I'm, I'm not sure. But I thought it was a very interesting uh, comment to throw out there. And on her part, she was uh, very aloof, let's just say. Uh, she didn't talk much with anyone. And uh, she was just sort of like this pretty young thing who was kind of following him around. And then I saw them dance at the Malanga, actually. And it was such an interesting sight because there was, I don't know, somewhat of a caricature even as I watched them because maybe I'm projecting too because, you know, I had this experience with him and I'm projecting my own image, but he looked so proud of himself and he looked so accomplished that he had this prized possession. He had access to this beautiful woman and nobody else. And there was so much value in it for him and his manliness. She, on the other side of that, obviously was enjoying the fact that she had access to this incredibly high-up dancer who was well-regarded and who's a judge on panels. And she's just soaking it up, right? And it was a kind of like a stereotypical tango image in a way of like the two lovers and all they care about is each other. And I think this is a very traditional form of seeing tango. And in communities in Buenos Aires, uh, especially neighborhood milongas, it's still very much part of their culture to have couples meeting and sitting together at the table and then the man asks the permission of the other man if they can dance with their wife. And there's just a lot of tradition and decorum about that historically. However, because tango is evolving along with the rest of the world, I think it's useful to consider the impact of something like that when you are only dancing with one or very few number of people. And to me, this came uh, as a piece of advice from a teacher long ago who said, you have two options. You can either specialize and dance with just a handful of people and in that way you become very particular in a particular type of style which limits your options but you can get better and better in that direction or you can become more of a adaptable and uh, less technically specific dancer but somebody who can really adapt to anyone and in that way perhaps you're your style is not as clearly defined, not as articulated as it would be if you're just dancing with one partner, but you're capable of dancing with many more people. And I 
took that and, and ruminated on this for a long time in considering my own journey. And I really was very much part of that uh, former category where my dance really became defined by the partners that I was dancing with. And it also defined my technique, defined my feel. And it isolated me from certain dancers for many years. And I didn't know why certain people weren't dancing with me. And I just assumed it's because something's wrong with me, that my technique is not good enough. But really the the reality was is that when you dance with certain person all the time, your technique develops to match that person's mechanics. So when you stray away from that and dance with someone else, it might not work very well because the mechanics are different. Now, that might make you think, oh, I just don't dance well with this person. I need to go back and dance with the person that I really love dancing with. It works with them. Or you can become curious about why it's not working as well and what can be done about it and how you can adapt, which is the question that I started asking eventually, especially when I started leading. Because obviously when you lead, it's the height of priority (laughs) is to get a good follower, right? We all focus on that Uh, as beginner leaders, especially it's highly valued to practice with an advanced follower. But I got to tell you, a lot of the advice that I've heard from master teachers along the years that I've been practicing and listening, uh, many of them say that as beginner dancers, they were actually encouraged to do the opposite of going and dancing with the most difficult dancers, older dancers, heavy set dancers who didn't, who didn't move well, who are very difficult to move because it challenged their ability to adapt. And that is a skill that is what promotes, I think, the ability to dance across a variety of levels um, is to actually invite that challenge. And I'll tell you, uh, there's an example that I've recently encountered um, a very well-established dancer in the community uh, that I um, have studied with and really admire. Uh, She is uh, from a blues tradition, blues and sort of jazz tradition of dancing. And she shared with me that she started tango many years ago. And because of her abilities as a dancer and her talent, she automatically was dancing with very advanced dancers. All the advanced dancers wanted to dance with her because of her natural skill and her training as a dancer. But because she had this access to very advanced dancers right away, she shared with me that she feels that she's lacking the understanding of actual technique. And so she is able to dance with very advanced dancers But when it comes to less advanced or beginner dancers, she really can't make it work. And so that has really stunted her growth as a tango dancer and has really frustrated her because she hasn't had that groundwork, that that 
<laughs> that beating that we sort of resent at that beginning of our journeys where we have to struggle to figure out why something's not working. So I think it's an interesting uh, can of worms to uh, explore for dancers and to consider what is the range of your dance experience uh, in terms of how many people do you actually dance with? Do you dance with only a handful of people all the time? Do you dance with new people? I know that most people, when they go to a festival or a marathon, they always say their goal is to dance with new people. And very frequently at the end of the event, they say they failed and they just danced with the same people. Uh, so I want to talk about some outcomes that I have witnessed in the Tango world from dancers who have been in long-term committed romantic relationships with their dance partners. I'm one of those dancers. I've been dating inside Tango ever since I started Tango. I don't see how I could dance, uh, how I could date anyone else uh, other than Tango dancers. But there are certain people who choose on purpose not to date within Tango to avoid some of these pitfalls and complexities. And I think that's probably a wise decision. But there are many, many examples of couples in Tango, people who met on the dance floor and then got married and they're together or somebody, uh, some couples who started Tango together and uh, have been dancing for many years. I'll tell you some of the outcomes that I'm observing are just for me watching what's been going on in Tango World for the last decade. And some of it has been my own experience with dancing as a dual role dancer. Recently, I've become aware of this, that I've had a, a pretty uh, nice insight uh, into what happens with these kinds of partnerships because there's a lot of times that I'll dance with both the follower and the leader. So if I know a couple who are married or they're together, frequently I'll dance with both of them and I can make some observations about their dance style, technique, musicality, feel. And one thing I've noticed is that the longer people have been dancing together, the more they are moving in such a way that really fits that person. And so if I dance with a leader uh, who has a partner, a lot of times I feel the tensions and the, the movement patterns and the, the types of mm, technical, mechanical things that they're doing are in response to how their partner feels. And when I dance with both of them, it starts to make sense. Like, oh, this is why this person moves this way or they have this tension here because their partner is doing this thing and they adapt to that. It's sort of like the technique of the embrace and the dance uh, becomes sort of this closed ecosystem that's not informed by uh, other outside information. And I recently had this experience uh, at an event that I attended and I danced with, uh, a, with a woman 
and it was a very difficult dance uh, technically because she had a tendency to sort of hang on the embrace and was kind of heavy but again like I don't really shy away from that because guess what like that's part of tango like it's part of the experience and my question for me as a leader when I face that kind of challenge is like all right how can I make this feel good how can I draw on the tools and and technique that I've developed to make this feel effortless and that's that's become an interesting question for me so it was difficult technically in this way where it felt very strenuous for me to lead this person and then later I got a chance to dance with their partner and when I danced with their partner the first thing that happened when I took the embrace was this thought oh now it makes sense now it makes sense. There's a certain information that I was getting from uh, the the fellow that I was dancing with, which explained why their partner danced a certain way. And everything plays into it, right? Whether it's the height, the size of the person, the age, uh, the movement background. It's really so powerful that when you when you are committed and you dance a lot with one person, that person's mechanics are really dictating how you grow and who you become as a dancer. So I don't know if necessarily it's a problem. If I hear that the person, the person that I'm talking to, if, you know, let's say that they share with me that they're having a good time and they're happy with their tango and they're happy with the dances that they get. And they, if they don't dance with anyone, they just dance with their partner and they're they're good. That's one thing. But if I hear someone say that they're frustrated that they're not getting enough dances and the only person who will dance with them is their partner, that's a red flag for me because a lot of times what they don't realize is that it very well might be the case that their mechanics are so adapted to their primary partner that they are not comfortable to other people and that's why they might not be getting the dances. How do they know that this is happening? That's the maddening question here because you don't know what you don't know. So my suggestion in that case is just to reflect on your own journey and to sort of assess where you're at and whether you're happy with your dance experience so far and whether you're getting the dances that you want and if you're satisfied with uh, primarily dancing with one person, your primary partner, with a sprinkling of, you know, certain people here and there, that's fine. But if you feel like you're not really getting everything you want, then assess, right? Assess um, whether you're prioritizing dancing with that one partner over having the experience of dancing with someone else. And maybe from there kind of takes you in a different um, path where you might seek feedback from other people and other teachers and get advice. But it definitely is a huge uh, limitation in some cases if you only dance with a particular person all the time. Uh, and other outcomes, I'll just mention briefly here. I've noticed 
this is this is particularly uh, negative for women I've noticed but what if there's a breakup what if what if the partner that you've been dancing with and committing most of your energy to the person that is the source of your fulfillment what if you break up then what and the place where I've seen this play out in the most dramatic way is in the professional circuit. A lot of the professional dancers, couples over the years that I've been admiring and watching, they've broken up. And it's very difficult for the women to continue their careers because their image, their identity, their style, who they are as dancers had has been formed and shaped by their partner and leaders still are seen as the ones who are kind of like setting the tone they're the ones who bring the follower alive you know bringing them to their fruition and i've seen this a lot with different partnerships that the followers which are typically women you know, they've really learned to shine with that person and that magic that they create is unforgettable. But when they break up, frequently the man of the partnership moves on and gets a different partner and continues doing what they're doing and it's all fine and dandy. <laughs> Whereas for women, a lot of times it's the end of their career or they really struggle to keep going and to redefine their identity, uh, to get new partners who might still showcase their strengths. A lot of times the partnership doesn't really work. I've seen this happen recently with the performer that I've been a huge fan of for many years. And she performed with a new partner because her you know, former partner, they broke up. And she was a completely different dancer. And I did not like her style. I did not feel that she really was able to showcase who she um, who she was before, and, and kind of like her identity was not there anymore. So on a small scale, that can play out on the social dance floor too. That if your whole sense of identity, who you are as a dancer, your technique, your stylization, your musicality, if it develops in relation to just one or a handful of people, but really if we're talking about just one, you have that one person that you're always dancing with, and then somehow they're gone. Something happens and you know they're not there anymore. Like, what does your tango look like? What, what happens? This is a question that became important to me when I broke up with my former partner who was so dominating of my time. And I began a relationship with my current partner. And right away, from the very beginning, it was really important for me, for us, to acknowledge that our tango experiences are separate. That he has his own tango journey, his own agenda, his own aspirations and I have mine and we rarely actually dance together at the Malanga we um, traditionally will dance one tanda at the end but it is rare that we'll dance two tandas I mean he sometimes dances multiple tandas with other women 
uh, and not me, which, you know, can that make me jealous? Yeah, of course. But guess what? I have the freedom to do the same. And I really appreciate that my tango is really mine. It's, it's developing in relation to many people, uh, many partners, many dance partners, uh, both leading and following. And I attribute my success technically and musically uh, to the fact that I really opened up and started dancing with a lot of different people and started pushing myself to not shy away from dancing with more challenging partners who might not be the same style or the same level as me. So the main takeaway here is for us to realize that romance in tango is not just affecting us on an emotional level. It's not just the matter of the heart. It's the matter of your dance, your artistic, creative expression, your technique, your individuality. And the more we are giving in to that sway, that gravitational pull of limerence, of love, of romance, and allowing it to suck us into that vortex, it's doing that at the expense of developing our technique in relation to other people. Now, again, I am saying this as a liberated woman in the 21st century, living in Los Angeles. And it might be a value that's completely contrary to a person who is of a different generation, different location geographically. So I'm definitely aware that what I'm suggesting is not necessarily the correct or appropriate or best way of approaching this, but I did want to propose a method of analyzing and assessing your own progression in tango and give a word of caution and warning because it's so common for beginner dancers to get involved with other dancers and then have this experience of being burned, you know, like a moth to a flame. You just can't resist it and then you get sucked down off this chute and you end up on this other side and you don't really know what's happening uh, and you don't, you don't know how to recover and maybe you even leave tango because of the heartbreak. But um, I would say if you were to ask me my opinion about what is the more beneficial or generative way of, of managing this is to resist the urge to get to to give away all of your energy and all of your time to just one person no matter how good it feels even if you want to dance that second tanda that third tanda that fourth tanda and you just want to be in that person's embrace as much as possible train yourself to still come back to yourself this is your dance this is your experience there are other fish in the sea. This person is not the only person to facilitate your experience of that bliss. And they are not really the source of your joy and your pleasure. You are the source. 
you yourself are the source and they are there to help you facilitate that connection to yourself. And if you can take that on, can take on that feeling of limerence towards yourself, that the source of your fulfillment can become your own self-expression, and you see that people come into your dance life, your tango life, as facilitators of you discovering the multifaceted aspect of this pleasure and joy that the body has in it, uh, then you can have more of an autonomy and a, um, a voice that's your own that creates possibilities for your growth endlessly, right? But there's that, you know, the loss might be there, that partner might go away, you might not be with them forever, but your tango is yours and you might have a broader perspective on who you are as a dancer. So I think that's all I want to say about this for now. I'm sure there's other ways I can explore this topic and other themes to bring up, but I'm going to let this rest a bit and hear what you guys have to say. I would love to hear your experiences, especially if you've been uh, experiencing that uh, moth to a flame scenario and you've gotten involved and then it didn't turn out well and I want to know how that impacted your tango or uh, how you dealt with it. And if you resonate with any of these topics and have some other advice, uh, pieces of advice and wisdom that you'd like to share, I invite you to share that with me through social media or email me. I'm excited about seeing some of you at the uh, SoCal Tango Championship coming up this week. I'm in the Jack and Jill competition so i will fill you in next week on how that went have a great ciao